Well, maybe it was the extra duffel bag filled with apples and cans of chili that he had to carry in addition to his pack. Maybe, maybe it was starting a drive at 4 a.m. in order to meet the rest of us at the trailhead. Maybe it was my eight-year-old brother throwing up along the way. Something was making my dad really grumpy on our first family backpacking trip when I was 11 and going into the sixth grade. We were unprepared. It started months before with the deceptive guidebook description that this was an easy hike. It grew more complicated on the trail as we seemed to be hiking on the hottest day of the year. It became really worrisome when we all ran out of water. And looking back, my parents maybe couldn't read a map that well because we didn't know if there would be more water or where it would be. What became known in my family as the hike from hell is a lovely 10 or 11 mile hike into wilderness, including several sequoia groves. It ascends 500 feet per mile, like the Kennedy Trail in Sierra Azul, that way, for about six or seven miles straight, starting at 6,000 feet. It's hard. I took a group of graduated seniors there way back in 2005 on that same hike because it was an extremely formative experience for me and I wanted to share it. The destination is where I'm headed with a small group of college students and high school students and Carlo and my 10-year-old son Ethan right after worship. We're trying a slightly different trail. Reportedly, it is easier. <laughs> we shall see. Same destination. When in doubt, stick with the classics. And when the boss leaves you with an entire Bible's worth of scripture to choose from on your Sunday subbing in, well, maybe it's a good idea to stick with the classics there as well. So we heard from Sam and the prophet Isaiah, and now it's time to hear from the Christian scriptures. This is Hebrews 1, 1 through 5. Listen for God's word to you. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, help us to reflect on these words today. Help us to truly trust and believe in them. 
Give us the courage to proclaim it in our lives and in our relationships. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning's text is the opening to the anonymously authored letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament. The letter didn't have a title or an addressee when it was written, but the content of the letter is so filled with the history and the struggle of the Israelite and Jewish people, it would not have made sense, sense to Greeks or Romans, and so it's the letter to the Hebrews. As Christian readers of this letter in 2022, it's easy to forget how radical this opening passage would have been for early readers. If, you know, you're familiar with the, the beginning of John's Gospel or Paul's letter to the Colossians, those works have a similar cosmic Christ vibe, but first century readers didn't have everything gathered together like we do. This was always new. And there are some bold claims in what I read. That's what I want to highlight. We aren't resolving any questions this morning or, or turning over all that new idea, not, not new ideas. We are proclaiming what we believe. Three simple proclamations. There's more, but, you know, a sermon, so three. Uh, three simple proclamations for you from this morning's text. Proclamation number one. God has a son and an heir. And that heir has lived a human life. I think Erica and I were tracking uh, this morning because she has said so much of my sermon already in all of the other parts. So, thank you. God's son, the heir of all things, knows what it's like to be human, to love and be rejected, to be blamed for others' actions to rejoice in small wins, to work hard and have success, to work hard and fail. He knows grief and anger, laughter, loss, life, and death. The one who is equal with God came down and was equal with us, raising us to unity with God. And God as a concept, when you focus on it for a minute, or when you're out under the stars contemplating, the concept of God can be so vast and distant, but the Son of God erases that distance by his life, his death, and his resurrection. God has come near in the Son. God has become one of us in the Son. And that's, that's still a bold claim, right? In part because proclamation number two, God's son was involved in the creation of the universe. It's easy to get comfortable with the idea that the son lived a human life, but there's more to it. This person existed before, before. Sure, it's a mystery that may not be even clear in the next life, but we trust in the Son who lived our life and created our life. You think about creating the universe, yeah, that's a lot of making stuff. And me, I haven't made many things in my life. My friends know I'm not great with my hands. 
I write a lot of papers and some lessons, but I don't know how to make stuff. I've been on a lot of Mexico trips and led a few job sites, but others know that they're doing more than, they know what they're doing more than I do. The only things I've really made on my own are some skate ramps and this camping chuck box I made back in the winter of 2020. Now, yeah, look at it, you see it's warped. But, but this, is, this is just a plywood box for my camp kitchen supplies, but I've got a lot of affection for it. Hinged but wonky doors, some shelves, two nice handles, the screws I bought were too long, so they stick out and you can poke yourself. <laughs> Sophisticated carpentry is what I'm saying. And if it started breaking, my experience of making it though, would put me in a good place, good position to fix it. The one through whom the worlds were created, though this world may be broken, knows how to set things right. In his human life, we see a taste of the knowledge of how to heal and fix what's right, fix what's broken, excuse me. And even when we muck it up, surely we trust the sun's slow and steady style of setting things right. It's his world, after all. He's got the whole thing in his hands. Proclamation three. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Now, youth groupers will know we have a very short Bible verse song set to this verse. And our translation is the NIV, not the NRSV that we use in worship. So if it sounded a little weird to you this morning, that's why. Here's where I think the news about the sun gets more exciting. Not only did he live a human life and is heir to all things, not only was the universe created through him, but if you want to know who God is, what God is like, how God loves, where God is working, and why God cares at all, the sun is the answer. The very radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of God's being, the best example for who God is. In John's Gospel, Jesus says on his last night with his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you will know my Father. And we maybe don't get to see Jesus as the five foot two Middle Eastern fellow he was, that's a guess, but we do encounter him in the testimony and service to others, in the written words of scripture, in what we hear and say in worship. And those encounters are God bursting in, the sun radiantly shining into our lives. It took me till a moment ago in quoting John, and it takes the book of Hebrews till chapter two to name this son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. Obvious to you and me, but still quite bold because of how this guy, this Jesus, lived in his human life. That's the fellow I'm more apt to talk about when preaching. The homeless rabbi, kumbaya, come together over me, Jesus, right? Turn the other cheek, love your enemy, why do you worry about what you will eat and drink? 
pray for those who persecute you. That guy, that's who Steve normally preaches about. But you can't have the glory without the pain. No glorious memories backpacking without a hike from hell. We're going to try this week, but no promises. No cosmic Christ without the cool cat Jesus of Nazareth either, and vice versa. Vice versa. The real power behind turning the other cheek and loving your enemy radiates from the God that Jesus represents, actually is, in fact, and whose kingdom he inherits. Now, I, I love my dusty, stinky, human version of Jesus. Long beard, walks all over the place with teenagers, skeptical of the system, happy to drink what others are pouring. My kind of guy. But I know what gives me confidence and hope in the love and forgiveness that Jesus talks about is that the same dude, that same dude, is sitting now at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, watching out for us and for all people. You know, it's the middle of summer. Five more Sundays till Pastor Dave returns, I think. Some really great preachers ahead. But I want you to consider in these bold claims from Hebrews 1, these classics, if you will, what gives you hope and confidence? Think about it when you go to bed and when you wake up in the morning. Talk about it at the coffee hour and the barbecue. And if you have a moment this week, pray for us hikers that all would stay healthy. No fires would start. And any bears we see are far away. Jack, can I get that amen, please? Amen. Thank you. Amen. <laughs>